Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. You know, it's often said that it's better to light a single candle than to curse the darkness. Um, except if you're at the uh, Department of Health and Human Services and the Center for Me uh, Medicare and Medicaid Services, where if you light a single candle, uh, it's a federal case. Joining us here to discuss what is an absolutely bizarre demand from CMS is uh, Lori Wyndham, Vice President and Senior Counsel at Beckett Law, which is representing St. Francis Hospital in uh, Oklahoma, it's a Catholic hospital, who has been told that they will not receive reimbursements for any Medicare or Medicaid patients until they blow out the candle that's in the Catholic sanctuary right next to the tabernacle. Uh, Lori, <laughs> seriously? <laughs> And I think that's what I said. And I, Beckett, all we do is religious liberty work. I've been doing this for a long time, and this one surprised even me. Um, I, I was when I first heard about this case, I was like, "Really? This is this is what's happening? This is what they're going to make a federal case over?" But, uh, but it seems like it might be. <laughs> you know, I'm Catholic, so you know, I understand what the, um, you know, what the candle represents. It represents that the presence of Christ is in the tabernacle. And it's those candles are lit 364 days. There's a either 24 or 48 hour period between it's either Monday, Thursday, or, or the Good Friday service to the Easter vigil where the tabernacle is empty. And so the candle is blown out. Now, the Catholic Church has been around for 2000 years or so. Um, Catholic hospitals have been around for uh, about 150 years in this country, you know, and obviously before that. How many major fires have resulted from a sanctuary candle um, near the near a Catholic tabernacle? I'm just curious as to what the stats would be on this and why this is such a danger. Uh, if, if it happened, I'm pretty sure it would be the first. You know, what we said, what we said uh, to HHS is this is not Mrs. O'Leary's barn. Uh, this is not some sort of major danger nice. here. Uh, you know, this is a candle that's been there for a very long time. It's always lit. It's inside, you know, and, and for anybody who's not familiar with these candles, um, it's it's a small votive candle. It's about eight inches tall, about three inches wide. It's inside a glass candle holder, inside another glass candle holder. It's got a brass topper on the top of it, and it's up about six feet high on the wall of this chapel. So, I mean, if you wanted to injure yourself with this thing, you'd have to really try. Exactly. Uh, and And look, I mean... I used to also be in the bird fire alarm business, right? And this is previous careers. And I dealt with fire marshals. And, and I always tell people, if you want to know what it's like to deal with the fire marshal, I'm going to tell you a joke. And I'm going to go ahead and drop this one on you, Lori. What's the difference between God and a fire marshal? I don't know. God doesn't think he's a fire marshal. <laughs> and I'm telling you, that's a reflection of reality. And the fire marshal in this case doesn't care. And he, and he shouldn't. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a silly thing to care about. Catholic churches have these. Um, every single Catholic church has this. St. Francis, a Catholic hospital, has a chapel which operates as a Catholic church. Uh, this is uh, this is a expression of of you know it's a it's a religious expression. It's a, it's a freedom of religion issue, as you say at Beckett Law. Um, but <laughs> I. Uh, you really have to go out of your way to think that this is some sort of an issue. I mean, they're, they're, I read the letter, right. From CMS and they're citing the NFPA. I've been around fire marshals and the NFPA an awful lot. Let me tell you something. I used to have to know that thing pretty well. I have never seen them 
turned down an occupancy permit for a Catholic church because they had an open flame. <laughs> That's the tabernacle. I mean, you have is, to shut them all down, right? Yeah. I mean, you have to yank the occupancy permit for all of that. And besides which, that's a local issue. It's, it is really up to each county, the fire marshal in each county, to make those determinations. And if a fire marshal actually tried to do that, of course, Beckett Law would haul <laughs> them into court over, <laughs> over sure the freedom of religion issue. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I mean, the, the proper authority for determining whether something like this is dangerous is the local fire marshal and the local fire marshals already made the call on this. Why did, what, what prompted CMS to get involved in this in the first place? You know, it's, it came up in a really odd way. There's a normal process that you have to go through as a hospital. You get your accreditation, shows that you're a good, uh, high quality uh, hospital. And that accreditation goes over to CMS. This is the Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services for anyone who does not track the all the federal agencies every day and night. Um, and CMS says, okay, you're accredited, so therefore we decided you can serve patients who are receiving Medicare and Medicaid and CHIP funding. And so what happened was the survey happens for the reaccreditation, very normal thing. And this time, for the first time ever, they get a citation saying, well, there's, uh, there's an unattended flame that is always lit here in the hospital. We can't have that. And so therefore... Uh, this needs to go out. This is this is a violation, and um, and so St. Francis, uh, you know, argued exactly why that was there and the precautions they taken and the fact that this is a normal part of of worship in a Catholic church and in a chapel, uh, and uh, in the accreditor held firm, and so they appealed to CMS uh, and said, "Hey, look, this is a problem. Uh, we have federal law protection." And this doesn't even violate any of the regulations out there. You can't even point to something that says no, no, no hospital candle, uh, no hospital chapel candles. Um, and CMS said, no, we think it's a fair, uh, fair ruling. And so it stands. And so you're going to have to extinguish the flame. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I've got the, the, the letter here uh, on the response to the appeal from someone named Scott J. Cooper at CMS um, and uh, uh, saying that they agree with TJC's deficient, uh, TJC is the Joint Commission, deficiency citation because the hospital must ensure that the life safety from fire requirements are met in accordance with 42 CFR, blah, blah, blah. Um, and uh, answer number 14 addresses the use of lighted candles and states that such candles must be placed in a substantial candle holder um, and supervised at all times they are lighted. Uh, again, if you've got a patient in a room who wants to light a candle, I might understand why you'd need that to be supervised. This is a stationary candle holder, which is covered. It's, as you say, it's basically double encased and covered. Um, it's not going anywhere. It's not going to fall off the table. Nobody's going to bump their elbow into it and have it tumble into a bunch of sheets on the floor or something like that. I mean, this is just absurd. And again, you know, just again, one more time, fire safety issues are local issues. They're not federal issues. That's that's a state and county issue. Usually the state just authorizes the county to deal with it. That's the reason why you have fire marshals. Uh, 60 years in is a really weird time to bring this up. And the reason why I'm, I'm emphasizing all of these things, Lori, is 
I see this as sort of an escalation from CMS, that uh, uh, sort of a pattern of escalation regarding uh, religious expression. Um, and HHS has been part of this now for, well, whenever um, the um, Obamacare decision on um, requiring employers to supply birth control uh, and the multiple lawsuits against the Little Sisters of the Poor, which is one of the most absurd um, examples of lawfare by, by a bureaucracy, I think, in, in our nation's history, this might actually top that. Do you see the same thing? I mean, you guys are at Beckett Law, man, you're in, you're, you're in the trenches with this stuff. You guys do great work. Are you seeing an escalation now from HHS overall and CMS here in this case um, against religious liberty and freedom of religious expression? You know, what I see is just one more time a refusal to take these religious concerns seriously. This has been raised with them. This has been explained to them. And yet they still are just going to hold firm to this rule that isn't really even a rule and not hear the religious concerns. And, and just as you said, you know, we uh, we have a long history with HHS at Beckett. We litigated the Hobby Lobby case all the way to the Supreme Court over the Obamacare mandate. We won that. We litigated the Little Sisters case all the way to the Supreme Court over the Obamacare mandate. We won that twice. Right. Uh, and yet we still have HHS uh, refusing to understand that, yes, they're bound by the law, that we have a religious freedom protection that's part of our federal statutes. We have religious freedom protections that are part of our Constitution. And so when you get these concerns, you can't just wave them off. You're not supposed to just say, oh, no, 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 we're just following the rules here. You've got to actually take this seriously and look at, well, is there a good reason for doing this? You know, the legal term is compelling interest. Do I have a compelling interest here? No, there's not a compelling interest in snuffing out this double encased and covered sanctuary candle. And yet, you know, it's it's difficult to get HHS to really look at these religious liberty concerns seriously. Yeah, you know, and I put this up in our headlines, and I'll write more extensively on this when we post this podcast, obviously. But one of the first comments I got back was, "Oh my gosh, it's such a fire risk." I mean, the, the person was being serious. You know, there's there's oxygen in hospitals, and, and, and you know, it, it, you could say that the kitchen is a fire risk, but they have suppressors in the kitchen. They got suppressors everywhere in a hospital. You can't go six feet without a smoke detector, without a uh, a water flow device. Um, without um, heat detectors, there's uh, in some areas, there's um, uh, like, like this commenter said, you've got you know, like a halon system or, you know, a neutral gas system to put out things like grease fires. Hospitals are required to have massive amounts of fire suppression for that very reason. And a single candle again is not going to defeat I would guess just off off the top of my head, and this is from 20 years ago when I was in the business, I would guess that you've got at least fifty dollars to $100,000 worth of fire suppression equipment in a hospital that size. They, they, they've spent the money on this. They, they know what the issue is. The fire marshal, again, has approved it in relation to the fire suppression system that they've got in these hospitals. There is no compelling interest. There, I mean, this really shouldn't even survive... Uh, What's below intermediate scrutiny? I know there's intermediate scrutiny. Rational <laughs> basis. Do you have a rational basis for what you did? Rational basis. That's what I was reaching for. <laughs> this doesn't even survive a rational basis. There's no rational threat from a from a single candle in a sanctuary um, encased as it is, as it is in every single Catholic church. 
That's exactly right. And and just as you said, St. Francis takes fire safety really seriously. There are sprinkle sprinklers overhead inside this chapel. It's something, you know, were the were to ever happen. There are sprinklers there. They even said, you know what, we'll put in some extra things. We're willing to put in tile behind the candle or underneath the candle if you're worried about something like that. And this isn't a separate room. It's not out there in a hallway next to a big oxygen container or anything like that. It's not in a location. It's way up high on a wall. It's not in a location where it's going to be close to uh, any kind of equipment. And so I just I don't understand why the federal agency here is is failing so far to see reason. Uh, this should be right. a really easy one. And, you know, there are people who are, are, are going to say, well, why don't they just use a, a an electric candle? And the, the answer to that is because that's not what Catholic Church uh, doctrine requires. It requires an actual votive candle. I mean, that's and that's part of their religious expression. And St. Francis is a Catholic institution. They have a Catholic chapel with a tabernacle, which, uh, you know, you can't just jam that someplace and, and throw a flashlight on it. That's not how it's done in the Catholic Church. We Catholics take this very seriously um, as part of our religious expression. And um, and I can tell you, I take that very, very seriously. And uh, there's no, even if there was, even if you can argue, well, maybe the Catholic Church is wrong about this, it's still their decision. This is a Catholic Church decision. It's a decision that Catholics make. Yeah, I think if there's anything the last 10 years have taught us, it's that health and human services really should not be in charge of religious doctrine. They do not need to be the ones deciding what is okay and what is not okay for Catholic Mass and the adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. That's really well put. I, I, and I'm laughing because this is so ridiculous. It's so ridiculously petty. They're going to, it, it, I mean, people really should understand, they should comprehend what the ramifications of this are. We're, we're kind of approaching this as, and I think for good reason, as a ridiculous piece of, you know, bureaucratic nonsense, but it's a very costly piece of bureaucratic nonsense because if this decision holds and St. Francis doesn't remove this sanctuary can, uh, candle, which would require them to remove the tabernacle as well, and not be able to hold mass in a Catholic church, then what happens is all the patients who are being treated, who have Medicaid or Medicare coverage, their bills will not be paid. They will, uh, and so the hospital will not be able to provide care to the elderly, to the to the poor, to the infirm, um, the very the very patients who need a Catholic hospital most will have to be turned away. Yeah, and this is this is what they're here for. They're here to love God and love their fellow man. And so to be able to serve their community, they serve 400,000 patients a year. They have provided hundreds of millions of dollars in free care to their community over the years. They want to continue doing that. And so, you know, it's it's easy to laugh at silly bureaucrats because it is pretty ridiculous. But, you know, the penalty here is really draconian. Why Why would you think that that is the right response to something like this? Uh, why, why can't we just work this out? Um, you know, and unfortunately, HHS's version of working this out seems to be, well, just give up your religious exercise and it's all going to be fine. Right. Yes. And I think that we're, we're seeing that as a pattern from HHS. Uh, we saw it with the Little Sisters of the Poor and... Um, and, and now we're seeing it here with St. Francis Hospital in Oklahoma. Um, what's next? I mean, uh, obviously, 
you guys have taken this up. Um, you're you're going to um, you're going to escalate this. What does escalating this mean? And you know what are the next steps? And what do you expect to see from that? Well, we we've uh, sent this letter. You know, we made it public, but before we made it public, we sent it off to the heads of HHS and CMS, uh, as well as Oklahoma senators, to notify them about what is what is going on and what's an egregious violation of religious freedom in their state. Um, and uh, and and we're waiting to see what's going to happen. Um, you know, we encourage people to check it. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Beckett Law or check our website at BeckettLaw.org, um, and we'll be posting updates to this case as we get it. Uh, but we're waiting to hear back. Is you know is HHS going to respond to this? Are they going to do the right thing? Are they going to see the light, or are they going to dig their heels in? Uh, if we don't hear something from them very soon, we are going to take this to court. Uh, we're quite confident that. If we go to court, we'll win. We said that to them in the letter. Uh, we've got a long track record with HHS to, to back that up. Um, and so, you know, we sent the letter first because this is a case that really ought to be solvable. We've already recognized in the past that there was no problem here with this candle. No reason they can't do that again. Uh, so we sent the letter first because we want to give them a chance to just solve this the easy way. And if they don't want to do this the easy way, then we'll have to do it in federal court. And so we'll be filing a lawsuit very soon. Yeah, I don't think that they really want to go up to against the Fifth Circuit again, do they? <laughs> so Oklahoma is the Fifth Circuit, think, right? It's actually the Tenth Circuit, the same one that ruled in oh, favor of Hobby Lobby. There you go, Tenth Circuit, even better. The Fifth Circuit is, is, has been pretty tough on the federal government. But yes, Oklahoma being the Tenth Circuit, yes, I, I think that the Tenth Circuit might be a little tired of uh, playing some of these games with uh, HHS. And of course, if it gets to the Supreme Court, um, I suspect that they'll be even less happy to be dealing with an issue like this, especially because of its absurd nature. I mean, really, this is an absurd issue uh, on which to predicate the funding necessary to, to provide medical care for all sorts of people who can't afford it otherwise. Uh, it really is, I think it really speaks to um, not just an animus against religious expression, which I think it it does do that, but also I think it really speaks to the nature of um, authority and power, which is that uh, as power accumulates into fewer and fewer hands, it's, its exercise becomes more and more arbitrary, almost as a way of demonstrating that the power exists. And I really get a strong sense that having looked at this and responded in the way they did, they're not really interested in correcting an error. They just really want to tell St. Francis and the Catholics that run this, that they're in charge, that, you know, that HHS is in charge, rather than people who are trying to deliver the health care and help their communities. You know, Ed, I, I think it's I think it's really well said, and I think something we see again and again with our clients at Beckett, you know, we, we do religious freedom cases, that's all we do. And I think so many times when our clients stand up and say, we are going to defend our rights, we are going to follow our faith, we have courage, we're going to continue to do this, you know, what we say is courage is contagious. Um, when our clients stand up to this and say, no, we are going to continue to live out our faith, the other side is taken aback. What's what's going on? What's happening here? I feel like there's often this expectation that if you just explain these things to the religious people, they're going to change their minds and they're going to go along. And uh, that's a that's a huge misunderstanding of history to think if you if you just explain it, 
um, that people are going to fold. And I think it's a misunderstanding of what it means to be a person of faith and what it means to be a community of faith and how that impacts and changes your life and, and what you do. And so, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that you have to have a situation like this or a case like this, but it's also encouraging to see St. Francis um, standing up and saying, no, we're, we're living out our faith. We're living it out through worship in our chapel. We're living it out through serving our community. And yes, we can do both. Absolutely. Well, Lori Wyndham, thank you so much for um, coming on here and talking to us about this. I'm hoping that we'll get you back on um, as this case progresses. I'm actually crossing my fingers that common sense is going to prevail. And the next time we talk to you, it's going to be to explain how somebody's apologizing to St. Francis Hospital uh, and uh, and making sure that this type of thing doesn't happen again. Somehow, I don't think that that's going to be the immediate outcome, but uh, I certainly hope that we can come back and, and talk to you more about this and any of the other cases that uh, Beckett Law is handling. Well, thank you so much, Ed. We hope we'll be back to report on a victory soon. All right, Lori Wyndham, BeckettLaw.org and at Beckett Law on Twitter. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks, Ed.